It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show, she's being brought to you in a part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold, including Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. So uh, get yourself a copy now, if you want one signed, eh, reach out to me, uh, Bill at BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, it's been, uh, we had a week off because of Thanksgiving Turkey Day, uh, but uh, uh, I wanted to cover some stuff that took place since our last show. And, and, no wait, there's more. I wanted to tell everyone uh, the schedule for the remainder of this month, since the holidays are coming up, just to uh, mark down on your calendars. Uh, our last show of 2023 will be December uh, 21st, and then we'll return right after the uh, new year. So uh, mark that down. Uh, and as usual, I'm going to ask everybody to subscribe to this channel and subscribe to our podcast. I'd appreciate it. All right, uh, let's get going. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to uh, pose a question uh, to everyone today, and uh, you can come on. Uh, we got a live chat room going on uh, in uh, in on our YouTube page. So if you go to uh, if you're watching on YouTube, go into the chat room. Uh, my uh, my big question today, which we're going to revisit here in a few minutes, uh, is uh, you know David Benavidez, which I'm going to talk about here in a second in his fight, uh, beat uh, Demetrius Andrade, and um, is calling out Canelo Alvarez. You know, so I, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm saying to myself, you know, uh, Canelo Alvarez against uh, David Benavidez uh, sounds like a good fight. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. Or or do you want to see a rematch uh, between uh, Canelo and Dimitri uh, Bivol? So hold that thought, and I just want to catch up on some uh, fight results. Uh, this past weekend, uh, speaking of David Benavidez, he stopped Dimitris Andrade. Uh, in this, in six rounds uh, to improve to a 28-0 with 24 knockouts. Um, Demetrius Andre uh, loses for the first time, 32 wins, one loss, 19 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, if you saw the fight, I think it exposed uh, some stuff about David Benavidez that I'm going to get to when I talk about my thoughts on Canelo against uh, Benavidez. Um, you know, uh, David Benavidez is a monster, uh, reminds me uh, of uh, uh, another big uh, middleweight uh, back in uh, the day, Iran Barkley, um, even though uh, Barkley was a middleweight and Benavidez is a super middleweight. I know, I know somebody's going to make a comment about that. Uh, but uh, uh, here's, what I, here's what I noticed about uh, Benavidez. I, you know, I, I think he's a good fighter. He's got heavy hands, um, but he doesn't have much footwork. Um, not much head movement. And I think Demetrius Andrade exposed him to a degree 
which I think, and I'm going to circle back here, I think is going to trigger the fight with Canelo. And what I think he showed is that um, uh, Andre was able to uh, score points on him. There was no question about that. He was able to uh, get in there, land some shots, quick shots, you know, hand speed. Um, but the size difference was too much, and eventually Benavidez landed uh, some bombs that, uh, you know, not only dropped Andre, uh, caused his corner uh, to, uh, uh, to tell the referee to stop the fight. I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, cameras happened to have been in the corner. The referee goes over there and says, listen, I'm not going to let another round like that happen. And uh, one of the corner guys just said, listen, stop it. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. Uh, so they knew what was up. Uh, Demetrius Andre didn't argue the cause much, but uh, the other the other fight that was on that card was uh, Jamal Charlo. Listen, I I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I've told you guys a million times the Charlo brothers are frauds. The both of them, they're frauds. All right, and uh, you know the the PBC, you know they they don't have anybody. They're all frauds in my opinion. Um, they, you know I'm gonna get to Showtime and stuff later. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about today, um, but Charlo. Uh, won his fight. He, he wins his comeback fight uh, against Jose Benavidez uh, Jr., uh, which, I, you know, I, it, 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 that didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me at all. You know, Benavidez Jr. isn't that great. Neither is Charlo. You know, it was a decision, 98-92, 99-91, 100-90, 90, one-sided fight. We all saw it, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I, my, my big hang-up is, you know, WBC, everybody everybody likes the WBC. Everybody looks at the WBC as, as the main uh, uh, sanctioning body, right? Everybody wants the green belt. All the fighters want the green belt, right? Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. Um, I, you know, Terrence Crawford, who, in my opinion, I, I've been telling you about Terrence Crawford for years, okay? Pound for pound. Now everybody all of a sudden is on a Terrence Crawford wagon, right? The IBF, uh, granted, it wasn't the WBC, but the IBF strips him. You know, after he wins all the belts after two months, gives the belt to, to the interim champion. And here the WBC is letting uh, Charlo hold on to this belt for 22 months. And he still stepped in a ring and it wasn't a title defense. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But uh, uh, once again, uh, I, I just, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the Charlo brothers, frauds, in my opinion. And speaking of Terrence Crawford, he recently said if... And, he, and I quote, he said, if me and Floyd fought, I definitely would have won that fight. What's your thoughts? Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. Well, it's actually your best email to go. You can go to either one, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com or Bill at BillyCBoxing.com. I personally agree. I think that Terrence Crawford would have beaten Floyd Mayweather, and I'll tell you why. You know, um, Floyd Mayweather, a great defensive fighter. First of all, Floyd would have never fought him because he would have cherry-picked. He would have waited. Maybe he fights him now. I mean, he's 36 years old. But Terrence Crawford, uh, which makes him so great, in addition to his talent, okay, in addition to his hand speed, his counterpunching ability, his footwork, his movement in the ring, his brains, you know, his ring savvy, all those things. In addition to that, he's got a mean streak. The guy has a mean streak. He just switches it on when the bell rings, and I think he would have. I think he would have beat the shit out of Floyd Mayweather. I honestly do. But I'm also the guy that thinks that Floyd Mayweather Senior would have beat Junior, uh, both in their primes. But that's just my opinion. You know, um, you know, Floyd uh, Junior is 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 great defensive fighter. 
Um, and I think that's what, you know, uh, kept his O for all these years, obviously. Um, but, uh, but I think Terrence Crawford, if those two stepped in the ring, uh, both in their prime, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't see much, uh, uh, of a, of, of a fight. I see a, an interesting fight. I see a big money fight, but I think, uh, uh, I think Terrence Crawford uh, would have beat him. And, and one other thing about Terrence Crawford, um, you know, they talked about the Enos fight. And, um, you know, I, I, here's the thing. You know, Terrence Crawford, he doesn't have anything left to prove. And he's still shooting for um, either the rematch against Errol Spence in a, in a, uh, a higher weight class which already, um, in my opinion, Terrence Crawford's in a higher weight class than his natural uh, weight class. I mean, he moved up and he's doing fine in welterweight. But, you know, move up to junior, uh, junior middleweight uh, to fight Errol Spence. Um, or he wants to fight Canelo. Now, what this tells me, bottom line, is look, you know, Terrence Crawford isn't a dummy. He's 36 years old. Nobody beats father time. He's undefeated, okay? And um, I think Terrence Crawford is looking for some money. I think that he made some uh, big-time mistakes by uh, signing the, the lengthy contract he had with Top Rank. Top Rank did not do him any justice, and uh, he never really got the big money fights. Yes, he made a ton of money against Errol Spence, and he's going to make a ton of money in the rematch. Um, and I think he beats Errol Spence again. I don't care what the weight is. And I think if he fights Canelo, win, lose, or draw, he's going to make a lot of money. Um, I support Terrence Crawford, and and I, you know, I uh, I really think that um, he's the man. So we'll see. Forty and 31 knockouts. We'll see what happens with him. Um, the other, some other fights that took place, and, and they also offered him, oh, you want to fight Charlo? And he and and he said this, and I quote. Charlo isn't a mega fight. His last performance against Alvarez, he's talking about the other Charlo, wasn't a great performance. He's right. Either Charlo brother is not going to draw enough money for Crawford. The Charlo brothers don't draw money. They can't even draw stick fingers on, on, a, on a piece of paper. You know, they can't even draw. I don't even want to get into it. But anyway, um, some other fights that took place uh, since we've been gone um, is um, on Saturday the 18th, on ESPN Plus from England, um, there, there was a pretty cool card. I don't know if you caught it, um, but uh, it was a, a WBC featherweight eliminator. Uh, Nick Ball, the wrecking ball, improved to 19 and 0 with 11 knockouts when he won a 12 round decision over uh, Isaac uh, Dogby. Um, 118, 109, 116, 111, 119, 108 uh, was, uh, uh, was the way the judges score it. Um, that was kind of billed on ESPN as the fight, but the main event was actually a, a, a pretty entertaining fight in the middleweight division. Nathan uh, Heaney improved to 18-0 with six knockouts uh, when he won the uh, British middleweight title, uh, when he won a 12-round majority decision over Denzel Bentley. Bentley drops to 18 wins, three losses, one draw, 15 of his wins coming by knockout. The way the judges uh, scored it uh, was... Um, uh, let's see, where, where did I, I lost my, uh, one had it even at, uh, uh, 114, 114, one had at 116, 113, and one had at 117, 111. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to my man, uh, uh, bearded Oliver, and he just popped in the chat room. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for, uh, uh, 
getting in the chat room with us. But the reason why I'm giving him a shout-out is he, too, is a disgruntled Jet fan. And uh, he says the Jets are breaking my heart. Listen, man, I, I, I've been a Jet fan my whole life. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is they've they've already shattered my heart. Uh, you know, they do the what they did to us this year is they do the same thing every single year. They get your hopes up. You know, uh, they signed a forty year old Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, great quarterback. Uh, I, I wasn't. A, I've said this all along. I wasn't a big fan of Zach Wilson, but it isn't his fault. Uh, I think that everybody else that they're putting in is doing just as crappy. And you know what? I, I, I as much as Sal is a, a likable coach, I, I, I don't think he's the right guy, you know. And I'll tell you who's definitely not the right guy is Hackett. This guy can't he can't call a game. The play calls are so predictable. I, I wish Bearded Oliver didn't mention the Jets because now I'm all jacked up over there. You know, I, I mean, the bottom line. Uh, you know, I could sit on my couch three or four scotches in, and I can call every single play that this idiot is going to be. And if I can, if I can call the plays, and I know what the plays are going to happen, what plays are going to be called. What do you think the defensive coordinator is thinking of of the other team? I'm talking about the defense. I love it, and it's a shame because they're all going to be uh, uh, split up probably next year. Anyway, back to boxing. I really like this card from England. Um, I think it proved once again that. England is the heartbeat of boxing, in my, in my opinion. The crowd was large. They were vocal. The commentary was solid. And most of all, all the fights on this card were competitive, regardless of the records. You know, I mean, that's what makes boxing great. You know, if you're willing to accept the fact that the fighters are fighting and you are evaluating them for their fight that they're in, you're calling, to, you're watching the fight that's, that's happening, you know, uh, a lot of these uh, cards, you know, I, I mean, they're just, they're not entertaining. You know, you got a one-sided fight where you have, you know, the A side who's going to win. Look at the, go, go, next time, check out the odds on boxing in today's world, right? You know, the guy that's going to win, you got to lay $1,500 to win 100 bucks. You know, I mean, what kind of competition is that? What kind of competitive fight is that when the favorite's minus 1500 you know, and then here's even the worst part. If you have the balls to bet the underdog, right, you're only getting plus 800. They're not even giving you the plus 15. You know, it's like betting on boxing today is like a sucker bet. You know, you might as well go in those machines. We used to pick out little little toys and shit. But, uh, but anyway, I like the card in England. Also on that day, there was a, a, a card on the zone out of California. Um, and uh, in the uh, super middleweight division, Diego Pacheco improved to 20-0 with 17 knockouts uh, when he knocked out uh, Marcelo uh, uh, Casares in the uh, ninth round. Um, I liked this fight. It was it was a a, a great fight. I I thought that um, you know uh, it was competitive until the ninth round. When Pacheco landed, a, I don't know if you saw this fight, but if you have the zone, go back and watch it. Pacheco landed this brutal uppercut uh, that just put uh, Casares down uh, for the count. It was two minutes and 53 seconds uh, of the ninth round. Uh, but, you know, by the sixth round, some things I noticed was by the sixth round, Casares was out of gas. He took a severe beating in the eighth round, and then uh, the ninth round, the uppercut, like I told you, um, you know, it was uh, uh, was the end. 
Um, you know, I, I like this kid, Pacheco. He's definitely somebody to, t to watch. Um, he's uh, 22 years old, uh, and he's, he's talented. He, he, he's got it all. I think he needs to improve on his counter-punching movement uh, and also to try to incorporate uh, some head movement. He seems to uh, be able to box and attack. Uh, but uh, needs to work on uh, on those two things, at least in uh, in my opinion, you know. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, I uh, uh, there was another fight uh, on Thursday night. Um, probably everybody that's watching this show watching it. It was on ESPN. It was a top rank, and Shakur Stevenson won a boring twelve round decision over Edwin De Los Santos to win the vacant uh, WBC World Lightweight title. Listen, this was a snooze fest. It was boring as hell. You know, uh, not to keep mentioning uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., but uh, Stevenson fought like he did. You know, I have two comments I want to make about Shakur Stevenson because I do believe he's a talented fighter. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's... Listen, Floyd, again, I'm going to mention him, but Floyd tried to sell that kind of fight as the sweet science. It's not the sweet science. The sweet science, as per Floyd Mayweather Jr., was, oh, you 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 hit and you don't get hit, you know, uh, you know that that's what it is. Yeah, but but the thing is, is he never finished the the rest of the sentence. The sweet science definition of boxing is hit and don't get hit, but still be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. You know, by by throwing a punch and then running to the other side of the ring, so your opponent can't land a punch. That's not the sweet science. I'm sorry. All right. Um, Shakur, Shakur Stevenson didn't do that, uh, but he didn't do. He did enough to win the fight. You know, I, my two comments are Stevenson with all that mouth movement shit that he does. His mouth's always open. His tongue is out. He's smiling. He's he's doing all kinds of crazy shit. Now, if he's got a problem, I apologize, but it didn't seem it. It just seemed like cockiness. Um, listen, if this dude gets caught. His jaw is going to get shattered, all right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. to uh, Listen, you know, as the, as the Rolling Stones would say on Some Girls' album, on the, on the Some Girls' album, should do be a shattered. You know, that's what's going to happen to Shakur Stevenson's jaw if he doesn't learn to keep his mouth shut, you know? Um, he's going to get tagged, and, you know... It, it's stupid. It's stupid. You know, being cocky, being good, being good defensively is great. You know, but you got to be smart. And uh, Shakur Stevenson better better wise up. That's my first comment. My second comment is the problem with skilled fighters that refuse to take chances, like Shakur did uh, last Thursday or two Thursdays ago. Um, they become labeled as a boring fighter, like I just labeled him. Okay, you know, uh, the first two fighters that come to mind that were labeled as boring fighters because of their boxing skill. And I'm not going to mention Mayweather because, you know, in his younger days, before he uh, went out on his own, when he was was with top rank, he was, he was, he was a great fighter. You know, he engaged, he fought, uh, you know, and then he turned into to Cherry Mayweather. But, but you know, the two fighters that come to mind are uh, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, who, you know, learned how to fight smartly, uh, and and became a boring fighter. But the stats show that, you know, you can make the argument that for 10 years he didn't lose a round. You know, he just was a boring fighter. 
The other fighter that comes to mind, and, and I'm going to mention him because it's so untrue, all right? But it is true, too, because in the second part of his career, and really you could say he had three parts, was Hector Macho Camacho. Hector Camacho, if, if you're not old enough to remember Hector when he first came out and hit the scene, you never got to see the real Hector Camacho. Hector Camacho uh, was a fighter that not only had, you know, all that, you know, the pizzazz, the likability, the, the showmanship, okay? Not only did he have all of that, he had extremely fast hands. He had great defense, and he went in for the kill. He was aggressive until he fought Edwin Rosario. When he fought Edwin Rosario, he took a beating that night. He won the fight. If you watch the fight, you could argue that he didn't win the fight. But ever since then, he changed his style and he fought safety first. So most people that aren't old enough to see, uh, that had gotten to see Hector Camacho fight prior to the Edwin Rosario fight, they didn't see Hector Camacho. In my opinion, the Hector Camacho prior to the Edwin Rosario fight was one of the best fighters ever to lace on a pair of gloves. You know, and it's unfortunate that everybody remembers all the negative stuff, especially surrounding his death and him fighting into into his 50s. You know, I knew Hector personally, and I'm not saying this just because of that. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is he was a and, and truthfully, I didn't get to know him until after the Edwin Rosario fight. For, so I was a big fan of, uh, you know, as a boxing fan, I was a fan of Hector Camacho in his early days. Great fighter. Most people will label him as a boring fighter today, and he does not get the credit that he deserves. Anyway, um, one other thing I want to talk about on this fight, uh, that uh, Shakur Stevenson fight. Man, I'm so sick of the punch stats. I'm so sick of these commentators that are talking about a fight that's happening in front of them, right? And they're just telling you about the punch stats. So they're basing their commentary and their opinion on the fight based on what the punch stats are happening. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it's like a subliminal thing to boxing fans that don't really know what they're watching. And remember something, boys and girls. The punch stats are two human beings that are ringside with laptops. One is recording the punches for one guy, and one is recording, recording the punches for the other. And we all know that boxing is a subjective sport, meaning that me and you and Joe Schmo over here can be sitting there watching the same fight and we all have different opinions on who won that round unless it was a clear knockdown or something else. So, you know, I have no problem with going through the punch stats after the fight is over just as a discussion and, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is, is during the fight, what the hell are these commentators thinking? You know, I think it's crazy that they do that. You know, I, you know, the, I don't know if any of you remember, but there was a, 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 a commentator. His name was Nick Charles. And he used to say that I call the action that's in front of me. I call the action that's in front of me. And that's what you want to see. You don't want yelling. You don't want screaming. You don't want cliches and all of this stuff like Mario Ronaldo, you know, which incidentally, I'm not going to miss Showtime. I'll be honest with you. When Showtime first came out, it was a great. I, listen, I preferred it. HBO was getting kind of, you know, uh, sluggish with their shows. And, uh, and Showtime came out. 
or boxing after, I'm talking about a long time ago, boxing after dark, and they were really showcasing some good young fighters, and then they had some great championship fights, and then they signed a deal with, with uh, Al Heyman and PBC, and it went downhill. And uh, Espinosa, that, uh, the guy that was in charge, I, I mean, he just looks freaky to me. I mean, uh, the bottom line is Showtime shot itself in the foot for their alliance with the PBC. That's my opinion, just my opinion. All right, let's get back uh, to the question at hand, and I'm looking for some uh, uh, opinions uh, about Canelo Alvarez. Who should he fight? Should he fight... David Benavidez next or Dimitri Bivol? Here's my thoughts. I know David Benita, uh, Benavidez uh, called him out. And I know that, you know, uh, that would be a good fight. And I would be interested in the fight. But I think Canelo wins that fight. You know, I was talking to my man Augie today from Riverhead. And uh, I think he disagrees with me. I, you know, um, I know he's a fan of, of, uh, of David Benavidez. And I think the biggest reason is because of his size and his power, which he has. He's got some great punching power. But like I said earlier in the show, Demetrius Andre proved that a good boxer that has movement, that has some hand speed, that has some accurate punching ability, you know, catches up with Benitez. The difference uh, between Demetrius Andre and Canelo Alvarez is punching power. Demetrius Andre moved up in weight to fight... Uh, Benavidez. Benavidez is a big middle, uh, well, he's super middleweight. He's, he's big for super middleweight. Um, I, I, I think if Canelo fights Benavidez, and, I, and, and I, I, I honestly think that it will be a great sell. People are going to want to watch it. Benavidez will have the size advantage, of course. Um, but I think Canelo's boxing ability um, will, will prevail. I, I, think, I think he wins the fight. Now, hold that thought, um, because the other big fight I would like to see with Canelo is the rematch with Bivol. Now, here's the difference. Bivol, okay, is a big guy, too, but he's he, he fought in light heavyweight division, but he's really a super middleweight. You know, um, so you say to yourself, well, how would Bivol do against David Benavidez? Well, if Demetrius Andrade was able to land the punches that he did, they didn't hurt uh, Benavidez. But you could bet your bottom dollar that Dimitri Bivol, you know, with the boxing skill that he possesses, um, will not only land punches. Uh, he'll put uh, he'll 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 put David Benavidez uh, in some serious trouble. Uh, now, as far as Canelo goes, you know, he, this whether he takes the Benavidez fight or whether he chooses a rematch with Bivol is going to tell the tale of Canelo Alvarez. And when I say that, what I mean is, in my opinion, Canelo Alvarez has fought everybody, all right? He's had some easier fights than, than some. But for the most part, he's, he's challenged himself. Fighting Floyd Mayweather as early as he did was a challenge for himself. It was a smart move by Floyd Mayweather because I think to this day, and I bet you uh, if Floyd was honest uh, behind closed doors, he would admit to this, that he also saw the rising of Canelo Alvarez and knew that Canelo Alvarez uh, was going to become uh, what he is today. And that's why he took that fight as early as he did in Canelo's career because there was still some holes in Canelo's career. Um, that same fight a year or two later wouldn't have had the same result. Now, with that said, 
you know, Canelo Alvarez is a money-making machine, right? So you say to yourself, well, you know, does he have anything left to prove? Is he here to make some more money just to pad his bank account? Or is it true of what he says, that he wants to go down in boxing history as one of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time? If that is true, which I believe it is, he's not going to give up the rematch with Bivol. I think that the, the fact that he lost to Bivol is haunting him, and he may come back and fight uh, Bivol. Now, how did he, these fights go? Well, in my opinion, I think uh, Canelo beats Benavidez, but I don't think he beats Bivol. I think Bivol is, is too uh, much of a rounded fighter. You know, like I was telling uh, Augie today on the phone, you know, if Dimitri Bivol and Canelo Alvarez, I, I'm a big fan of Canelo. So before you start bashing me saying I'm a com, com, uh, Canelo hater, um, you know, as, as talented as Bivol is, I just think there's certain styles, right? There's certain styles of fights. You know, one of, one of my favorite all-time fighters, Mike Tyson. You know, uh, he fought Evander Holyfield twice, lost twice. You know, um, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. You know, they fought uh, three times, in my opinion. Uh, Tyson Fury won all three. There's certain fighters that have certain styles that'll meet up with another fighter that just doesn't work for them. And I think that Canelo uh, and Bivol is a great example. I think that if Bivol and Canelo fight 100 times, Canelo maybe wins 10. That's that's just my opinion. I, I would love to be wrong. You know, I would love and I would be happy for, for uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez if he uh, fights Bivol in the rematch and beats him, you know. Um, but... Uh, but I don't think so. I think he will take the Benavidez fight first. Um, I, I think it's a big fight. It's a big money fight. Uh, I think he's uh, hoping that maybe Bivol uh, gets a little more miles on him. You know, rip a page out of out of uh, Floyd's book um, and uh, and go from there. Um, that's my thoughts. What's yours? You know. Um, you know, come on over into the chat room and give me your thoughts or drop me an email, bill at billycboxing.com or billy at talkingboxing.com. Um, you know, something else I wanted to mention, um, and, and I want you to give it some thought because we'll talk about it for the next show, but um, what country produces the best pro boxers? Now, I want you to look at that as today, today. In other words, which country today is producing the best fighters? You know, because if you look in the, in the stats, and I have all the stats, American fighters are going to be the ones that, you know, hands down, have more championships uh, over, the, over the years, over the, over the last hundred years, than any other uh, nationality. Um, but that's kind of not fair when you consider that the United States is a melting pot. I mean, we're all, you know, from some other place, you know. Um, and, um, you know, uh, some of those um, um, tendencies, like a, 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 a Mexican-American fighter, let's say, you know, they're still going to be a Mexican-style fighter, but they're American, so they're going to get, you know, credit on the statistics um, as, uh, as an American fighter. And back in the 40s and 50s, it was pretty much controlled, uh, by American fighters, so a lot of those championships are from you know years ago. But the last twenty years or so, I think you could see a different uh, 
uh, a different thing. Um, you know, I, I, there was last the last show that we had. We were talking about um, the potential of non-humans fighting, and and I was saying, you know, is boxing going to be extinct? And you know, yeah, I got some emails on it um, talking about different movies and stuff. Um, but and we did talk about it on the show. But I did forget one that um, that I, I should have mentioned. Um, it was a Twilight Zone episode um, where this was the case. The robots were fighting. It was a pretty cool episode. It, it was called, um, the episode was called Steel, S-T-E-E-L. It was uh, put out in 1963. And um, uh, Lee Marvin was the star of it and um what it was was that the box the uh you know the, the the robots fought each other right they looked pretty human and lee marvin's team couldn't uh afford to fix their robot so lee marvin um basically dressed up as a robot and fought a robot it's a real good one if you never saw it go, uh, punch it up on youtube it's called steel and uh i don't know if you ever knew this but you see this banner behind me? Um, that was on Law and Order. Um, it was uh, on an episode called uh, Inhumane Society. And uh, I think Ralph Macchio starred in it. And uh, I had uh, uh, Brooklyn Mike, uh, a friend of mine, I haven't talked to him in several years, used to come on this show. And he's involved with uh, sets uh, on, uh, on Law and Order and movies and stuff like that. And uh, he gave me a call one day. And said, "Hey, you, you got a banner?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I have one." He says, "Well, I need one. We're shooting a, a boxing, uh, a Law and Order that's around boxing, and uh, I, I, if you send me a banner, I, I, I might be able to get it in the camera shot." So I called my buddy and I said, "Listen, make me up a banner real quick." And a guy made this up for me, um, uh, and he, he shipped it, and uh, and Brooklyn Mike got it. And they set it up on the scene. And, and what he told me afterwards was, uh, you know, we started filming it. And the, and the director's like, wait, stop, stop. That 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 sign, that Billy C. Boxing sign, it's too shiny. It's too, it's stealing the the, the, uh, the shot. So they took it back in the makeup room. This is no shit. If you look at this banner, if you can tell, it looks kind of old, right? It only did one thing. It, it was at, it was on, it was on Law & Order. That's it. They took it in the makeup room. And they made it look old. They 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 put all this stuff on it, so it looks all old the way it looks right now, like it's been around for a hundred years. And they put it back into the into the uh, episode, and uh, sure as shit, uh, we got um, we got a lot of feedback from that. People were were calling me, going, "Hey, I was watching Law and Order last night. Was that yours on there?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." So it was pretty cool. And um, uh, anyway, just some just some little stuff. Uh, that uh, I like to uh, remind you. Uh, but uh, anyway, big fight this weekend. Uh, Ryan Garcia, well, it's, I don't know how big it is, but Ryan Garcia uh, is uh, uh, taking on uh, Oscar um, Duarte. And um, I don't know if it's going to be much of a fight. Uh, some news came out um, today about, or this week, I should say, um, you know, Ryan Garcia. Uh, and uh, Golden Boy are, are at it again. Those kids are at it again. And uh, he didn't like a comment 
uh, thinks that he should be the, the main guy or whatever. And um, he, he is the main guy, to be honest. And B-Hop was saying some stuff. And then Ryan got into social media and was talking shit against that. And it, 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 it caused the Oscar to make a public uh, statement, you know, through Twitter. You know, you know, it kills me. You know, um, everybody's everybody communicates through social media. No, nobody. There's no more face to face. Right. But anyway, Oscar uh, De La Hoya uh, said this. And this was this message was directed to uh, Ryan Garcia. He says, uh, Bernard and I have spent decades putting on the biggest events in the sport, including Ryan's last fight, which generated $30 million for him. You know, it's funny because Ryan Garcia in an interview complained that he made them something like $10 million or something. But uh, he says, we build champions. We help them navigate their careers to the top and make them the highest paid fighters. You know, I mean, remember, didn't Canelo start with them? You know, um, and he says, Ryan, keep focused on your craft instead of listening to some of your team's interpretations of comments that are taken out of context. Bernard and I will remain committed to taking your career to the top. You know, I don't know if Oscar really wrote it or, or somebody else did for him, um, but uh, that's so true. I mean, you know, it's hard, like especially with texting and stuff. It's hard to to really look at a text and and you know I've done it myself. You look at a text and you go, "What?" You know, they're laughing. You know, they're doing this. You know, you don't really know. Like it's very easy to take something out of text. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not, I'm not picking a side here at all. But um, you know, Ryan Garcia has to. You know, he he is still young. 25 years old uh so he needs to you know keep in mind that you know these guys are making money with him just as much as he's making money with them so why wouldn't they be looking in his best interest he's clearly not an opponent it also came out today that he admitted that he had injured ribs in the tank davis fight which uh you know i, I mean that's another thing that you learn um as you get older in this sport and, you know, Floyd Mayweather is a great example. Floyd would never have fought a fight if he didn't feel he was 100%. You know, when he fought Manny Pacquiao, um, then all of a sudden it comes out after the fight that Manny Pacquiao was injured. You know, well, you know what? That's Manny Pacquiao's fault for not, you know, postponing the fight. Yeah, you, you piss people off. Yeah, you, there is all this money that you lose because you're paying for sparring and all, all travel and everything else. But the bottom line is, you know, and and this is where I agree with Floyd Mayweather Jr., is that, you know, you got to be in the best physical physical condition when you're fighting a, a professional fight. Yeah, There's no doubt. You have to be 100%. You know, and the one thing I've always given, as much as I am not a fan of Floyd, and anybody that's ever watched this show knows it, but I've always given Floyd credit for one thing. Floyd is always in shape, even today. You know, he, he doesn't, he didn't let himself, uh, you know, uh, get out of shape and, and, you know, look, you know, like some of these other fighters do. You see them and you're like, oh my God, is that Ricky Hatton in there? You know, jeez, uh, you know, um, but, uh, but anyway, Ryan Garcia against Oscar Duarte this weekend, um, I believe it's on the zone, uh, Duarte, well, 
He's got a decent record. He's a power puncher. 26 wins, one loss, one draw. 21 of his wins coming by knockout. He's uh, uh, 27 years old. He's five foot nine inches tall, which is an inch taller than uh, Ryan Garcia, which actually surprised me when I was doing the research on this fight. And he's got a, a one inch longer reach, 71 inch. Um, the thing about him is he's, you know, the computer ranks him at number 20 in the world. Only one of the four major sanctioning bodies uh, have him ranked in the top 15, and that's the WBO. They have him ranked at uh, number nine in the lightweight division. This fight is a junior welterweight division, uh, fight. So um, this guy, most of his, all of his fights have been in the lightweight division. Uh, so he's moving up in weight. Um, his only two fights versus good opponents was his 10-round split decision loss uh, to Adrian Estrella, uh, back in uh, 2019, and his stoppage win over Roger Gutierrez in 2018. Um, but since then, his loss to Estrella, he's really fought no one. And it seems like they've positioned him for a fight just like this, uh, a money fight. You know, he, he does uh, possess some power, again, at the lightweight division. Um, again, his opposition isn't that great. The computer picks this a fight, a four-star, uh, rating him as a four-star fighter. Uh, I don't know how they come up with that rating. Um, you know, he's ranked number 20 in the world. Um, but he is young. He does have a height advantage. And uh, Ryan Garcia uh, may be coming out in this fight to try to silence some critics. He might uh, do some things that maybe he shouldn't. Um, so, uh, you know, he might be, he, he might be, you know, open for an upset. Now, Ryan Garcia, 23 wins, 19 coming by knockout, one loss. He was stopped, uh, by Tank Davis, uh, in, uh, in his last fight. Uh, his, uh, uh, his ranking by the computer is number eight in the world at junior welterweight or super lightweight, whichever way you want to go. Um, WBC has him at number seven. WBA has him at number four. The IBF has him at number seven, and the WBA, just to throw him in there, has him at number 15. Um, listen, the last four years since 2019, this guy's fought some good uh, competition, and he's got some wins uh, over good fighters. You know, he beat uh, Jose Lopez. He stopped him in two. He beat uh, uh, Romero Duno, stopped him in one. Beat uh, Francisco Francesca, stopped him in one. Uh, stopped uh, Luke Campbell in seven. Uh, he won a 12-round decision over Emmanuel to go. Uh, Javier Fortunia, he stopped him in six, and then he lost his last fight, uh, seventh-round stoppage, body shot uh, by uh, uh, Tank Davis. And as we learn, uh, it was uh, uh, confirmed not only that night because it's on tape with him saying that his rib, uh, that his uh, ribs were hurt again, um, but he did confirm it that he had a rib injury going into that fight. Um, he's he's uh, 25 years old, five foot eight and a half, 70 inch reach. Like I said, giving up uh, just about uh, an inch in height and an inch in reach. Um, look, I, I also think he's going to break away from Golden Boy a after this fight, but we'll see. They patched it up last time. But uh, uh, how do I see this fight going? <clears throat> I see Ryan Garcia getting back on track. Um, I do think that uh, uh, that uh, we may have uh, 
uh, Oscar land a couple of Oscar Duarte that's <coughs> excuse me land a few shots um, but uh, I think Ryan Garcia is going to win this fight um, I, you know I, I my gut tells me that he's going to win by stoppage uh, but uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the distance but I'm predicting a stoppage win uh, over this one um, I want to give a shout out to uh, my man Rick who just popped into the chat room we, we got a very uh uh, light chat room today uh, he says I was just listening to uh, Billy C replays from 2014 and then this came on um, I, I tell you we had we had so many shows and uh, uh, I wish we uh, I, I wish it was it was that popular again but um, a couple of things I, I wanted to mention real quickly um, you know I, I'm I love boxing movies right and I saw one the other night it kind of struck home with me. You know, I, I don't know. My favorite uh, boxing movie of all time um, was uh, The Requiem of a Heavyweight. Uh, uh, you know, it's it was my favorite one. And, and Harder They Fall. You know, I'm a big Humphrey Bogart fan. So, you know, um, but but those two movies are, are my faves. You know, yeah, I know. Everybody likes Rocky and stuff. And I, I liked the first Rocky. I didn't really care too much for the rest of them. But, um you know these older fight films are, are the ones I, I I like. There's another one called The Ring. Uh, I like them because they really show what the sport was during that time, and it's a little less Hollywood than some of the modern, um, you know, boxing movies are today. But I saw one that I never saw before. At least I didn't think I saw it. Um, it was called The Setup, and it was from 1949. And it was starring Robert Ryan. It reminded me of if maybe Rick remembers this um, because he's you know watched uh, he's been following us for so long. But um, I, I I always told the story of what got me into boxing as a kid, and uh, it was a short essay written by Jack London called "A Piece of Steak," and basically the way the story goes, and and it's really the story of of boxing. Um, because it's a story of a fighter who, um, who basically uh, was a journeyman fighter and, and, you know, when he was younger, he would eat the, eat a steak dinner before his fight. And, you know, now he's jogging to the fight cause he can't afford it. And he's living in a one, one room place. And, you know, he, he ends up stepping in the ring with a young up and comer. And it just, you know, if you've never read it, read it if you want it i got a copy i'll email it to you just drop me an email and uh, uh i will uh, get you a copy it's what got me into boxing but anyway this movie called the setup reminded me of that um you know it it, it really showed how much interest there was in boxing for example um there, there's some miscellaneous scenes i took note of like the arena you know as the cameras uh you know, showing you the outside arena, them selling tickets and stuff. Um, and some of the ex-fighters trying to sell programs and some of the young, younger ones, you know, pushing them around because they're kind of punch drunk and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, he, he, you know, the interest, the, the advertisement, um, you know, was uh, give a shout out to Grievous popped into the uh, chat room. Glad you could join us. Um they was advertising boxing every Wednesday night, wrestling every Friday night. Now, this was an athletic club. Now, back in the day, every decent-sized town 
and definitely every city, had an athletic club. An athletic club um, was uh, a place generally guys would go and, you know, be an athletic club. They could, you know, get away from their wives or whatever, uh, smoke uh, cigars, uh, have some drinks and, you know, watch sporting events, live sporting events. TV uh, wasn't, it was there, but that's not what you went to the and they and that's not what you went to the athletic clubs for but they held these events and i'm watching this and i'm saying to myself and and this particular one uh for for the setup was uh was sold out the night of the fight right and uh so you say and it was a pretty good size arena so here they are boxing was able to support uh boxing every single uh uh, uh week they had live boxing every wednesday you know even wrestling every friday selling out you know i mean in in a small town i mean you know that just goes to show you in my opinion how popular boxing was and this particular fight uh this movie uh you know they sold that they were selling uh basically seventh row which is considered ringside for a dollar 65 Ooh, dollar 65 you're paying what you're not you're not shelling out a buck 65 to sit at a fight are you you know um but um it, it, it was it was pretty good i mean um you know there there was another scene and it was kind of a long scene it, it was the it was the it was the what we would call today the the b-sides dressing room and it was a hectic chaotic scene you know you got one guy you know loosening everybody up you know giving them a, a quick uh rub down and stuff and Guys coming in, getting ready for their fight. Guy would come in the door. Okay, you know, uh, Jones, you're up. You know, and you would get these little, little stories of, of these fighters. You know, one kid was real nervous. It was his first fight. He drew up in the bathroom, and he he won. He comes back. He's all winning. Another guy, you know, wins. Another guy, uh, journeyman fighter. He is practically dead when they carried him in, and uh, you know, it, it just goes to show you. You know, boxing, even even during the time of, of my guy, um, Tom Molino, the guy I wrote my book about, it was no different. It was, you know, filled with crooks and everything else. And that's what this whole movie was about. It was about the uh, manager and, and I don't know what the other guy was. He really wasn't his trainer, but I guess he was a corner man. Uh, they set up this fight, this guy. And uh, Ryan, the, the star of the movie, um, he was like the character in a piece of steak. He was a journeyman fighter. He was looking for that one one good opportunity to make five hundred dollars. I mean, that's what his dream was was to make five hundred bucks, right? He was getting paid fifty bucks for this fight, and he's fighting a young up and coming guy who was connected, and um, he was supposed to take a dive. Ryan was supposed to take a dive, but his manager um, didn't uh, didn't even think he had a chance. Didn't even tell him that the fight was supposed to be a setup. And as the fight goes on, he and, and the other little twist was um, his wife couldn't take it anymore. You know, she was ready to leave him. She she shows up to the fights all the time, and she said, I'm not doing it anymore, and I don't want to keep uh, uh, watching. You know, you know, Grievous, you're right. The world is totally nuts. Uh, don't even get me started. You know, I already got bearded, already got me started with the Jets. Now, don't get me started with some of the world shit that's going on. But... Um, you know, so anyway, she refuses to go watch the fight. He ends up winning the fight, right? And then the connected guys, which whatever, um, they come and they jump him after the fight. 
And because uh, he won, he beat the kid up, right? And uh, there's like six, seven, eight guys, I forget. And they beat the shit out of uh, Ryan. And he's and he's holding his own, right? He's holding his own. And then finally, they're holding him down. And he says, I- I'll fight him again. I'll fight you. I'll do this. And the guy says to him, the, the, the guy who was supposed to lose for, not the fighter, the, his boss. And uh, he says, you're never going to use that hand again. And you, you see him, you know, disfigure the hand. And then the twist is, <laughs> you see the wife and, and Ryan kind of going off into the sunset happy because now he can't fight. You know, he's got a, a, a mangled hand. His right hand that he that he punches, he can't fight, but she's happy. You know, it's like what the fuck, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, old uh, boxing movies are, are the best. If you've never seen Requiem of a Heavyweight, that one you gotta see. Um, that one's great, uh, you know. And then of course, uh, Harder They Fall, uh, which is closely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Grievous. Grievous is uh, making me. Hey, you know he's making fun of me. Oh, beautiful story. I'm just saying I like the old movies. You know, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to. Hey, once upon a time, right? But uh, but anyway. Hey, listen. It was great. Uh, you know, I feel good uh, doing the show. I, I wish uh, it was back in the day when uh, we had 250,000 podcast subscribers. Those numbers are nowhere near that today. And even our. Uh, even our YouTube numbers are down. And, uh, you know, the sport's down, in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, we have a lot of diehard boxing fans that, that follow this show. Uh, but a lot of young, new, up-and-coming uh, fight fans don't. And they're into, you know, which, you know, nothing against Jake Paul. But to me, he's not a boxer. But he sells tickets. He's got... Uh, you know, the youngsters following them, which is all great. And what I think I'm going to be doing here for 2024, for as long as I keep doing the show, is I want to uh, uh, I want to get more with the historical aspect. And that's why I pose some of these questions like, you know, which country do you think uh, produces the best fighters today? You know, I have all the stats. I can, I'm, I'm going to be able to read them to you about, you know, uh, who, how many were, were in each, but... Um, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, and I, and I'd like to showcase, you know, Alex, my man, Alex Papali used to do the blast from the past with me. And we used to showcase uh, a fighter from yesteryear and, and, uh, you know, uh, he, he did a great job doing that. Unfortunately, the time, um, is, uh, uh, is not working for him, but, um, we're going to do something. I'm thinking about doing some on sites uh, for 2024 so. Uh, hang in there with us spread the word make sure you subscribe to the channel uh subscribe to the podcast spread the word and uh, hopefully we can keep this thing going and i agree with you grievous uh the world has gone nuts wokeism and cancel culture and all this other shit and uh, don't even get me started with the you know you get to choose whether you're a boy or a girl i mean uh please you know don't don't get me started lewis lewis I know he's shaking his head right now, but uh, but in any event, listen, glad you could join us. Um, email me your thoughts on the uh, Canelo versus Benavidez or Canelo versus Bivol. Which fight do you think um, he's going to take and how do you think it's going to go? I'll read uh, whatever we have, um, you know, uh, next week. 
Uh, like I said, if you're just joining us, the 21st of December will be our last show for 2023. We'll be back um, in the beginning of January. Um, and uh, if you have anything specific, any comments, questions you want me to discuss on the show, just drop me an email. You could drop it at either one, bill at billycboxing.com or billy at talkinboxing.com, T-A-L-K-I-N. B-O-X-I-N-G. And until next time, uh, make sure you tune in. Uh, Next week we'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.